let me tell you a little bit about Intentionally God. We are, over the next 40 weeks, now I know that sounds like a lot to chew on, but you can take it at your own pace. Uh, the, the next week, we're going to be delving into the concept of discipleship, but we're going to break it out a little bit differently than, than maybe how you've heard it in the past, okay? Uh, we're going to be talking about the concept of being learners, lovers, and leaders, and and what God has called us to. So we do have an, people that are here, that are joining us here at the church. And if you're out there and you want to join us, that's we'd love to have you here. But also know that um, everything will be supplied for you who are online as well as everybody that is here. Um, I've got Ricky with me. If you uh, don't know Ricky, give it up for Ricky. Um, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, there you go. There you go. You. Big crowd here. Big, big crowd. crowd. I can't. Let me see. Big Look crowd. way back there. Yeah, way oh, back way. there. I see that. Hand. Yeah, yeah. Ricky's the worship leader here across town, and uh, he's going to be working with us on this and kind of hosting mm-hmm. our our show mm-hmm. tonight or our our gathering. Um, one of the things that we needed to say right up front too, as well, is that for all of you fa- uh, people that are from Buffalo, our our um, Condolences go out to you. Um, for everybody who hates Tom Brady, our condolence goes out to you as well. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I'm sick of him. I'm so sick of him. Tom, I am Tom serious. Brady. I don't care how good he is. If he's not in my uniform, Amen. he's not my man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I know. It's kind of a covenant relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of feel like one of them, Bill or him, violated the covenant and he had to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm right um, there with you. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get started, uh, let's. Uh, Ricky, why don't you open us up in yeah, sure. prayer? Yeah. Sure. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to come and gather in your presence tonight. Pray that you'll bless our conversation. Thank you for the words that you've inspired us um, with tonight. And I pray that God, you will just guide our conversation, bless it. We love you so much. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right. When we. Um uh, when we talk about how we respond to God, how God want, wants us to respond, I mean, that's a really important thing. When you talk to different people about believing in God, uh, about going to church, about being religious, being spiritual, all these phrases we use, um, we tend to have the socially acceptable response levels to God. So somebody may say, oh, I'm a Christian, or I'm saved, or... I'm Catholic, or um, I go to church, or um, maybe your individual has the idea that, well, it's between me and God, you know, the big guy upstairs, and I have this relationship, I don't go to church, but I, I, me and God got this thing going on. And a lot of people have different concepts of what is an appropriate response to God. And, and when it comes down to it, it's not so much what you, you think you should respond to God in such a fashion is, is what does God consider an acceptable response? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm nothing against my wife or anything, but I mean, I may have a concept on how I should respond to my wife in a given situation, uh, but it's more important for me to understand how does my wife want me to respond in a given situation in order for the sake of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so when we think about responding to God, it became real crystal clear to me. I would call it AK clear because, mm-hmm. I mean, some of you folks out there, maybe you've just gotten to your 4K TVs. If you haven't gotten to a 4K TV, I'm a little sorry. Uh, uh, Jenny, are you a 4K TV person? 
Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Can we cut any of this out of this? Uh, so, but if you, it's big. So, uh, AK Clear, um, when you begin to take a look at the scripture, you, you begin to find out that Jesus did not come to save people. I mean, I know that's one of the things that Jesus did. Um, he didn't come to convert people from atheists to believers. So that's, I mean, yes, that may be an element of it. Um, he also didn't come to overthrow political governments, you know, or uh, reestablish morality. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, if, if he did, he really didn't do a good job at it. I mean, I'm not dissing him out here. At a Bible study, I mean, who does that? Who disses out Jesus at a Bible study? You know, you can see Jesus is sitting in the corner. You know, the real. <laughs> but no. Oh, but boy. what did he come for? What was he looking for? Yeah. Um, uh, he came to make disciples, and he's very clear about that. Um, yeah. Because I mean, you're a Bible belter. I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, you have seen a lot of a lot of people do stuff in the name of of being religious. Mm-hmm. Um, I may or may not know someone okay. who purchased a billboard. A billboard? Oh, yeah. Wow. And what they may put or on may the not bill- know that. Would- uh, it was like, a, you know, Jesus Saves. Oh, something okay. Something like that. You know, one of those billboards. Yeah, okay. I mean, for some people, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, some people, they think uh, what Jesus wanted me to do was get rid of my tattoos mm-hmm. so they get their tattoos removed. Somebody may think, well, being spiritual the response, God wants me to drink less or smoke yeah. less or give up weed or stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, so people have a kind of a response that they think that God wants we got to find out if that's really what the response that God wants. Mm-hmm. So he came to make disciples. And it is undeniably evident that the call is to a life-changing response. That's really what it is. It's about changing life here. It's not just getting us to heaven. It's not just cleaning up the, the, the ethical bathtub. But rather it's this idea of uh, life transformation. And any other response was not what Jesus was looking for. And that's why we see so many people that will say they're a Christian and then they'll get on Facebook and they'll just like, you know, bash this group or that group or say something hateful. And it's like, wait a minute, you know, is that really Christianity? And, and I think, and I, I would, you know, a lot of you work in uh, secular environments. I think that the problem that people have with Christianity is not with Christianity itself or with Jesus, but I think it's non-disciple Christians. Uh, it, it's the freelance Christian who decides to write their own book on how God wants me to respond, as opposed to reading this book and finding out how he wants me to live. And so um, sometimes we're shocked by that duplicity that we see in other people. Not that being a disciple is perfect, um, but the lack of humility uh, of, of claiming to be a Christian and then being as ugly. And I think we saw that really heavily in this political oh, uh, sure. time there, you for know. Sure. Um, so it's not just a part of being a group. And it's not uh, just being part of this little crowd, but rather it's an ongoing response to God. Uh, so it, it may have started with an altar call, but, and when I moved down to South Carolina and experienced altar calls, because it, as a Catholic, we didn't have altar calls. I mean, you had communion, 
um, and you went up to the altar, but that that was your altar call. And uh, but it was kind of like somebody would always couch Christianity in: if I die tonight, where will I spend eternity? As if that's the end game. I mean, that's it. Um, people would say, "Have you ever gone up to the altar?" You know, they would. All success of Christianity is close your eyes, raise your hand, and and repeat the sinner's prayer after me. I get it. I get that there's got to be, I mean, we're linear linear beings, and there's got to be a starting point. But that, for a lot of people, that's the starting and the ending point, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I remember when I was eight, the guy, a guy named Patch the Pirate, he was a, uh, <laughs> he was a uh, singing guy that would go around these camps. Yeah. And scared the fire out of us. Wow. Boy, I went down, I was basically sprint down to the front. But wow. that's kind of the same thing, yeah. Yeah, it Patch was, the Pirate. Patch the Pirate was his name, yeah. I, he was, somebody <laughs> look up the sled list. <laughs> uh, like, is there Patch the Pirate on I'm, I'm, I am not making that up. No way, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, and, and I'm only joking, yeah. Patrick. Uh, I mean, you serve God in your generation. <laughs> I ain't I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, but, you know... Uh, it, it it really has being a disciple has traits. I mean, I mean, it really does. Um, it's not in, in Christianity. We always say it, it's all about this or it's all about that. Um, well, it's really uh, it's really like three things, if anything. And I and I can use three because I feel real confident. Uh, about the number three biblically mm-hmm. it talks about the Trinity and also sometimes when I'm trying to figure out about God, I, I kind of go back to God to kind of get my template or my um, uh, fractal. Mm-hmm. If you can, we can yeah. talk more about fractals um, over a cold one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, some of you were just like, well, Christians don't drink. That That's what it's all about. And it's like, no, it's about discipleship, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's take a, a look in, into um, science a little bit. Here is a copy of the uh, DNA uh, strand and you know as you all know it's it's constructed of two uh, sugar phosphate backbones and then being held together by the hydrogen bonds in the uh, base pairs uh, but here's the thing this is not this is three things it's not one just one thing and in Christianity a lot especially in churches we'll try to focus on one particular aspect of the Christian life and we will we'll try to make life out of that. But yet we have an example from God in the very the double helix and the, the ladder structures of, of uh, the uh, hydrogen bonds. We see that it takes this, this kind of triune work to hold something together. That the DNA and all the information needs to be arranged in this type of fashion. If you break up this this DNN strand and you pull any part of it, you end up with like a weird looking monkey, okay? I mean, it really is. It will just mess up whatever the intent is. And the problem with Christianity is that sometimes when we focus down on it being one thing, we end up with a strange looking Christian DNA. You know, um, I, I was, when I got saved, I got saved in a tent revival in Baltimore, Maryland. That's, that's my backstory. I was in Baltimore, Maryland, and 
they uh, did a tent revival. It had sawdust down on the ground, and that was so that you could roll if you you know do a tuck and roll. Um, wow. You ever do monkey drills in um, yeah. football? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was just like that. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, but uh, but it was all about speaking in tongues. And if you didn't speak in tongues, you didn't have the Holy Spirit, and you weren't baptized with the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever heard any stuff like that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We would narrow it all down to one thing. But yet, we, we see in nature that God created, which declares the wonders of the, of the uh, glory of God, that even in DNA, when you create a being, there's a collaborative work that's going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if you break that up, then you you get this weird hybrid looking thing that's not really what Jesus was after. Mm-hmm. So it's true of the word of disciple. Um, it's, a, it's an idea that represents, and when we think about disciple, I was Catholic. I'm not saying I'm not Catholic like I'm in some sort of, you know, silent protest against the Catholics. You know, I mean, there's a lot of them. Okay, so you got to choose your, you yeah. got yeah, you got to choose your fights wisely. But, um, the idea of being disciple was just way over my head. You know, you had the disciples, and you know, you had them all, and I was going to name them, but I forget their names. But there's a there's about twelve of them, okay. And then for for us, it was funny as a Catholic, saints were more important than disciples. You know, we never we never really talked to the disciples in in prayer, but we did talk to the saints, and you had you had uh, saints that were your patron. Yeah, and, and they, they kind of watched over you. Uh, but the idea of becoming a saint was like, there's no way I could become a saint. You know, it was just way. And I think that for maybe Christians, um, the idea of being a disciple is over our head also. We think, well, you know, they're too perfect. Um, but yet that's not really the picture we get biblically, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, especially when we look at the mistakes they make, they're not perfect. Um, they mess up all the time. I, I, I was thinking about it. A lot of people think you're a disciple when you're fi- finished with the process. So you may right here today think that you're not a disciple. But what we're going to find out is that the disciples were disciples about three years before anybody called them disciples other than Jesus. Um, a, di- a disciple was somebody that just changed the direction of their life and opened themselves up to something new to learn. And we're going to be talking about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it wasn't until a while into the journey that Jesus has been having, you know, they've been sitting around having popcorn by the fire, doing s'mores. They've been having dinners together, breakfast together. They've been going out, seeing miracles. That it's in the middle of this discipleship calling. And he called them his disciples when they were imperfect, broken, confused, and then he finally turns around and says, hey, who do you guys say that I am? He's like, I, are you guys getting this? Are you figuring out that this is about you figuring out who I am? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but all that time before then, they were just as much still the 12 disciples, even though they you know, never spoke in tongues, or at least they uh, uh, weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never, I'd never thought about it that way before. Yeah. It's like if they show up and boom, follow me. Yeah, and that's the first time it was like, oh, they just they snapped it and they're good to go. That's right. And it wasn't any of that process up beforehand. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we get that picture of we're told that they left their nets and followed him. Right. Um, 
as if maybe it was the only first encounter type of thing. I think in some cases maybe it was. But we also think that, wow, once they started following him, they were perfect. But, mm-hmm. I mean, pick a disciple mm-hmm. that screws up. Yeah. Let's I'm, go, uh, let's go, uh, Peter. Okay. I mean, you can't go any better than that. On this rock, I'll build my church, right? Yeah. I think it's like six or seven verses later. He, uh, Jesus says, uh, I'm, they're going to kill me. And he says to Jesus, no, not over, basically over my dead body, they're going to kill you. Yeah. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So yeah. he, he has this great, I'm going to build the entire church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. And then in the same chapter, Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. What a, what a dichotomy of ideas there. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's really important for us to understand because you may be here right now with a, with a, a crappy marriage. Um, uh, you know, I came in Monday. Was it Monday? Was that the day after Sunday? And I came in Monday, and I, there was some people here, and as soon as they looked into my eyes, they could tell I was like the devil incarnate. I was just... Can we say that word? This is TV, right? No, no, I can't say that word. But I was just so angry. I I don't know why I was angry. I I felt like I was, I think I was angry because I felt hungover and I hadn't been drunk. You know what I mean? It was like, (laughs) I feel lousy, but I never remembered the good time. When did I feel good that I, and, and it's like, and in those times, I'm just like, I suck. You know, I stink. I'm not any good at what I do. I'm just, you know, I, I'm, and, and it's like, no, you're a disciple, man. And that disciples have moments like that. Mm-hmm. So if you're here and you're in an imperfect situation, and maybe even you in you is an imperfect situation, and you're confused and you don't know what's going on, or you're, you're hot one day and you're cold one day, we got biblical proof that that's called discipleship. And that's what we're invited for. And that's, you know what people also don't understand is that God loves the lows as much as he loves the highs in us. Mm -hmm. He loves to see how we go through, uh, you know, the perplexed moments. Not because he's some like mad scientist and "Mm, let's drop a little bit of, Mm -hmm. you know, this on them and see if they squirm or anything. But it's, it's, no, it's valuable. He knows that in that moment, something can emerge, something, something beautiful. And mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, I think some of us beat ourselves up too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard it once described as the uh, trying to run from your shadow, basically. It's always a part of you. Yeah. It's the part that you don't really want to get to sometimes. Yeah. But it's always there. Um, yeah. And trying to just figure in just the wrestling with that shadow yeah. idea. Yeah, that's right. I've heard it described as that, yeah. And people think you have to lose the shadow before you become a disciple. Mm-hmm. And you can't. Uh, it's like, no, discipleship is that part of the, the wooing and yeah. uh, the drawing. So when we were talking about the double helix and the, uh, the ladder of, of DNA, we know that if you remove any one of these elements, the whole thing breaks down. So when we're looking at discipleship over the next weeks that we will spend together uh, this year, we're going to be talking about the double helix of Christianity, of discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we came up when, when we asked the Lord to inspire the idea of, because people say, well, we need to make disciples at Crosstown. We need to be mentors at Crosstown. We need to be preachers at Crosstown. It's like, okay, uh, you know, I just, it used to just bug my head because I, 
It's like, that sounds so daggum complicated. I mean, so tell me, what is a disciple? And so it kind of emerged learner. A disciple is a learner, is a lover, and a leader. And it's like, well, yeah, because I, I saw Jesus doing those things. I saw the disciples doing those things. But I saw them doing all three of those things. Mm-hmm. You couldn't break them apart. You know, you couldn't be somebody that is a natural leader and say, well, that's the part of Christianity I'm grabbing a hold of. I'm a leader by nature, and that's what I do in the kingdom of God. My temperament's not very, I'm not a nice person, and I'm not a loving person, but I'm a leader in the kingdom of God. Well, then you are a leader in the kingdom of God, but you're not a disciple. I mean, the, the double helix is, is required in order to produce the outcome of the DNA of Christ. So I think sometimes, whether it's churches, can be, I mean, you could be a learner about theology. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been around some theologians that are the nastiest people in the world. Um, and you can be somebody that's just gathering all this information uh, and say, listen, that's what it's all about. It's about systematic theology and not be a lover or a leader or, or, or growing in those things. And that's not discipleship. You're an intellect, and yes, you are well-educated. So it's really interesting how all these things have to be the things that we're developing in. And they're timeless. Mm -hmm. There's not a point when, you know, Jenny or me or Simon or anybody, you know, um, uh, you know, us older ones, that we get to the point where we, you know what, I don't do leader, learner anymore. I'm done with learning. I'm now at leader point. And I Mm -hmm. think we see that in Christianity. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. and I think we'll like we'll have conferences that will be based upon leadership. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> leadership. Yeah. We'll have Christian cons, uh, things on leadership. Well, how about um, do you have a Christian conference on learning? I mean, just being a learner, humble, open, teachable, breakable, reshapable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, do, do you have a conference on being lovers? Mm-hmm. You know, and and you know how to improve your your serve to other people. So it's it's really interesting how we break these things apart. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, I really believe that when a pastor or an eldership team or deacons or whatever governmental structure you would adhere to uh, in a church, that the moment that that leadership structure is no longer learners. They're no longer qualified. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny, in the King James, there's, I think it's like in First Timothy or one of those books, and he says that, um, uh, that an elder has to be apt to be taught. Now, the word apt is really kind of weird, but it, it's, we tend to interpret it as somebody that knows everything and teaches everybody something. But it's not really what it means. It means that learning is what they're apt at is that they are always teach, they are always learning something. Uh, I just got a thumbs up from my daughter at home. I appreciate it. Let me turn that, that uh, ding off. I appreciate One more, it. we're going to call you Mr. Ben. Uh, yeah, my, that's right. Now, the reason why he brought that up, Mr. Ben, you need to do me a favor. If you're ever around Mr. Ben, he's, gonna, he's here tonight. Uh, you need to call him because he's got like this 1938 telephone ring and it's super loud and it just goes off 
any time. <laughs> every Not, staff meeting. Every staff meeting. Oh, oh, you there? Oh, you're there. <laughs> now I, you say I can't believe you're talking bad about Ben. We're not talking bad about him. We've 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 told him this. So <laughs> to his face. Yes. So we're looking at this DNA. Mm. So we're going to be looking at learner, lover, and leader. Ricky, lead, uh, read us out what a learner is. Learner. One who is intentional, receptive, and engaging the life-changing challenge into Christ-likeness. Or life-lived change challenge into <laughs> yeah. Christ-likeness. It's a, it's a <laughs> I was doozy. Like, I think, <laughs> am I reading doozy, that right? Carl, or is that just a, a doozy? doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, life-changing challenge into Christ-likeness or life change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, why is it a run-on sentence? Okay. <laughs> it, it is because... Out of, out of the raw, when I'm thinking about learning, um, I, some of the components in my life I've learned is that it has to be intentional, mm-hmm. okay? I have to want to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of being a disciple. It's like, I, I need to decide I want to learn. Um, I need to be receptive, because you can want to learn, but you can be a cognitive dissident, you know? And a cognitive dissident is somebody that has decided that, um, this is what I already believe, but I am shutting down and I'm not receptive to your viewpoint mm-hmm. or any other viewpoint. But I love it where it says, and engaging the life change challenge. Because yeah. learning that does not change your life is just information. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I was looking at uh, like three of the great secrets of Warren Buffett. You know, I figured I was going to be, become a billionaire, and I thought mm-hmm. I'd start now working on my retirement. Right. Uh, but one of them is it, that he said he's never go to sleep uh, at the end of the day not having learned one new thing about mm-hmm. the world around you. And I thought, well, that's right. That's That really is the thing that God wants us to be, is to be a learner. That And, and that's one of the things that God wants. And you would think, wow, okay, that's what Christianity is about. No, 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 it's triune. There's another component. A lover, why don't you give that one a shot? One who is passionately seeking value-adding interaction with God, ourselves, and others. Okay, I love this, okay? Because there's a couple things in there. Uh, Passionately seeking it, that's different than just being in a mutual love relationship. Okay, where as long as Susan, you know, uh, provides her part and I provide my part, we have a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. But I love it. It's passionately seeking value-adding interaction. Now, a lot of us can say as dads to our kids, well, I love you, son. You know, Dan, you're probably from a generation, uh, an Italian dad and... You know, me with my dad, it was like, uh, I love you, and I go to work every day, and I come home. It's like, well, wait a minute, but is it value-adding? Are you adding value to that other person? And that's what Jesus seemed to do so well, was to Mm value-add. And he sought out value-adding interaction um, with God. He used to take time to pray, um, and and with other people. Mm -hmm. And he constantly was about that business. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and then the last one. Leader, one who lives with the courage and determination to help bring about God's best in all situations and in others. Okay. 
Yeah, and, and, and I'm telling you, we have just gone through a year of finding out, and maybe you, I think I did a sermon on exposed mm -hmm. in 2020, is that I think some of us got exposed on our temperaments, our anger level, our, um, our you know, all of a sudden we, we started all crying out about our civil liberties and, and, and protests and all this other stuff. I mean, we, we just kind of unraveled uh, in 2020. And it was an interesting time for me to find out, did I, in this situation, with courage and determination, try to bring about God's best in all situations and in others, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so that... That yeah. really is what a leader is. When you're on quarantine for 14 days and you haven't left the house, yeah, you really see that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <When> you, <laughs> with little boys, oh. those running around, I love them, but boy, yeah, yeah, you really see kind of where your your short spots are. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, um, how are we going to go after this? So, we're going to look at each of these definitions of learner, lover, leader, and examples of them and begin to try to work them into our lives. So, uh, and this is what I love about being a learner, lover, leader. It doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal. Uh, it's not like this is a guy's only club. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married person. Um, it, it doesn't matter where you're starting, okay? It really doesn't matter where you're starting. All we're, what we're doing is we're starting by saying, okay, God, uh, um, I want to be enabled to become a learner, lover, leader. And we begin to see this work out. So um, every significant choice that you're going to make in your life will be, will, will be preceded by a significant choice. Every significant act will always be, you know, we're marveling at Tom Brady right now. Yeah. And because he's 43 and I personally think he's had a facelift. I don't know anybody else. They put a they put a, a, a thing. A yeah, yeah. First Super Bowl, before his Super Bowl. Yeah, and, yeah, and all of a sudden like, he's all, he's all of a sudden got like these yeah. cheekbones are a little bit bigger. And, yeah, but and if you listen, to, you'll, he'll tell you when he was in college, he would drink three nights out of the week and he would eat cheat Lino cheeseburgers, yeah. onion rings, yeah. all those things, and then basically uh, had to make that choice. A significant, a significant choice. choice. Do I want to play this game at the highest level for as long as possible? Yeah. Or do I want to be like these other guys I see who have all the talent in the world but uh, aren't willing to make that choice? Yeah. And we see kind of, he's 43. Yeah. And he's, he, he tells stories about guys that have far more gifted than he is that have left the league and he's had to just be like, hey, I think I see greatness in you but you're going to have to make a choice. Yes, that's exactly right. Uh -huh. And that's what, I, what is the difficult part is making that hard choice that I am going to stay in the learner. I'm going to stay in the lover and I'm going to stay in the leader. I'm going to make the choice, the difficult choice. And there are times it's not, it's not easy. It's not fun. Um, there are times when people come up and say something to me where I just want to just blow them up. I mean, just literally blow them up. Just, mm -hmm. you know, read them the riot act. And it's like, dude, you know, and now people will say something to me that is stupid, maybe. Um, and I will just, in myself, will ask, okay, is there something I can learn from this person? And I will just stay in that moment. It's like, dude, be a learner, be a learner, be a learner. 
And, you know, be a lover. Don't disregard them. And uh, you could blow them up. Don't blow them up because you're a leader, you know, and that's not what leaders do. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it, but it, has, it requires a significant choice. That's why Jesus is always making these kind of drop of the gauntlet, you know. And you know what a gauntlet is? Anybody know what a gauntlet is? It's like a chain glove. Yeah, it's a glove. I always thought it was uh, like that big axe with the big, you know, <laughs> Molly hatchet. You know, it's like a, yeah. I, I always yeah, thought it was, uh, it's uh, like it was, it's a glove, yeah. you know. Um, and but you have to decide if if this is this is the difficult part of Christianity. COVID-19 is not the difficult part. Inflation is not the difficult part. Uh, The state of America is not the difficult part. It's the choice to remain a learner-level leader. Mm -hmm. And that's where the sacrifice is made. So um, we got a couple of examples, some Bible examples of people who actually, well, before we go any further, do we have any questions about any of this, where we've gone so far? Anybody? Um, yeah, and if you got any online, hit them, just type it into the comments. We'll that's right, you know, that's we'll right. Still answer. And this. we got some folks out there. Oh, we've got lots of folks. Yeah, yeah. Franklin's here. Franklin's actually said their grands loved Patch the Pirate. So that's a oh my. <laughs> Patrick the Pirate. They know no, Patrick it's the Patch. Patch the Pirate. I Patch. Yeah. Oh, Patch. He's still alive. I don't have no idea. I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Patch. He might be though. <laughs> Boy, I'm gonna have to do the he learn lover <laughs> leader thing. I'm gonna have to contact, reach out to my brother and say, "Listen, <laughs> sorry, man. I know you're not yeah. on the list. <laughs> that was really rude of you to say that. Was. that. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> sorry. We'll edit that out and post. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, then let's. Uh, if we get any questions, feel free to yeah, shout them out. Um, so let's take a look at a learner. If you got your Bible with you, flip open to John chapter 3, verse 1. And, and you're probably familiar with the story, but I want you to see, this, this guy's got some guts. I, I mean, I, I really think he's got some guts. And I, I, um, uh, Ricky, why don't you do me a favor mm-hmm. and you read it out and I will, um, I may stop you on the way and we'll talk okay. about some things. Now, there was a Pharisee a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. Okay, all right. So can we already say he's um, already preloaded with, with, you're going to hate me to say this, but he's preloaded with some biases, okay? Um, he's already has a way of thinking about something, and he's already, uh, um, you know. Mm-hmm. So just know that we all come into the story preloaded with the concept of what religious is or what God is. But um, this man uh, doesn't stop with what he knows. He goes further. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Okay. All right. I want to, a point just dropped into my head that mm-hmm. I didn't think of before. And, and I think it's for the benefit of maybe somebody that's listening um, or that's here. It says that, a man, that uh, this man came to Jesus by night. Um, the only kind of exegeting of that, Reference is that because he's a man who's a ruler in the synagogue and holds a position, he's probably covertly uh, coming to Jesus. 
okay? Um, I think in our culture, in our minds now, you would kind of say, well, that was kind of a chicken thing for him to do. Um, but uh, Jesus doesn't address that issue. Jesus never says to him, Nicodemus, if you want it, you need to do this in broad daylight, okay? Um, so there's some timidity here. There's some fear going on here. There's some concern about personal exposure here. And I would tell you that God welcomes that, mm-hmm. okay? He doesn't criticize Nicodemus for, for being a coward or for showing up at night. Um, uh, but rather, uh, it, it represents that timidity. And, and all of us, when we go, I mean, if you're talking about a life transformation. I mean, if anybody here, you're thinking about a life transformation, turning your life over to Christ, that, that's a big deal, and um, God allows you to have that conversation with him in the dark of the night, mm-hmm. uh, in those quiet and secret places. And so just remember that. Uh, don't let anybody belittle you for your, for your unseen inquiries to the understanding of God. You know? Mm-hmm. I just, uh, so if That's you're good. out there and you're, and you're just, you know, you want to be more bold, hey, listen, God takes you right where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, uh, and if I could just interrupt yeah. you one more time no, again, <laughs> is that uh, I love it is because he's come to the end of his knowledge. Wait a minute. Uh, how can a man be born again when he is old? You know? Okay, now, a lot of people have obvious stupid questions. Uh, okay? <laughs> yeah. But he's willing to allow that question to be answered a way different than he's prepared to understand. Okay, he's willing to consider a universe where people get born again. See, that is the precondition of the learner, is that you have to be willing to be challenged on your preconceptions about life. And and Nicodemus isn't afraid to say, wait a minute, you know, how can God create us if it looks like we evolved? Mm-hmm. How, how can I just, you know, he's, yeah. not, he's not afraid of that kind of conversation. Yeah. And Jesus isn't afraid of that conversation. Isn't it funny how Jesus doesn't answer him and just says, don't talk to me like that. Don't condescend to me. But I, but I think yeah. it shows the, um, the openness of, we, we find out what Nicodemus is pushing against to try to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. All of us, if we're going to be learners, we're not learning in a vacuum. We are unlearning to relearn correctly. Every one of us. All of us are unlearning our concepts of God to relearn God correctly. Nobody is starting with a tabula rasa, a blank tablet. And so that means don't be shocked if your precon- uh, preconceptions get challenged deeply by God. That doesn't mean you're a skeptic. It just means that you have to unlearn something or you have to be taught something mm-hmm. um, as long as a good answer is provided. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then he says, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And then we pick it up with Jesus again. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, 
And do you not understand these things? Yeah. So I, I don't think he's insulting Nicodemus here. Um, I think he's showing that your learning doesn't make you a learner in the biblical sense. It's like you are a teacher, you are a man of information, you are a man of pedigree, you are a man of stature and titles, but you don't understand this fundamental concept. And so I, I, that's why um, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's like, it, it doesn't matter if you've, well, I've gone to church. Well, I've read the Bible. People say, well, I've read the Bible three times. I'm like, well, I'll to be honest with you, I've, I, I don't think I've ever read the Bible all the way through. Uh, I'm just not interested enough. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm, to be honest with you, I, I'm looking for eternal life. I'm not looking to finish the book, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, get me to the Gospel of John in the book of Ephesians, and I'm good to go. I was, I was waiting go. for Ephesians to come, yeah. That's it, baby, right there. Um, but no, I... It makes us realize that there's that a learner is somebody who's willing to have their presuppositions challenged. Somebody who's willing to unlearn to learn rightly mm -hmm. about God. Okay, mm -hmm. I think that's a big deal. No, that's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so an example of a lover. Uh, I think we got a great one that comes to us um, out of Mark chapter ten. Mm -hmm. And uh, why don't you pick us up there? This is uh, uh, in verse 17, if mm -hmm. you've got it there. Yeah. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother, he said to him. Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him. Okay, so let me just stop right there. We got a guy who comes up and he kneels before Jesus. I think it's an interesting posture. It is one of, of humility. Um, he is venerating the respect to Christ as a teacher. Um, we also know he's a rule keeper. He's a task-driven person. How many of you here are task-driven people? You're not people, people. You're, you're task-drivers, you know? So this is a task guy. And he's, he's got all these tasks done. It, I mean, um, uh, he knows. As he goes through the list. He's going, yep, haven't done that. Yeah, I haven't done that. I've honored my mother and father. Boop, boop, I've done all that. And he's gone through it. But like Jesus would say to so many people who have done altar calls, like we talked earlier about, he would say to him, this, this one thing you lack, you know, is this concept of discipleship. And, and for him, he, when he reaches to the double helix, he actually points to the diagram and, and, and shows the double helix to the man. And he tells him, because there's probably nothing here. And uh, he's got some of the other structure of Christianity but uh, one thing you lack, he says to him, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and follow me. See, he's challenging about his loving. It wasn't enough for him to keep the law. It wasn't enough for him to venerate Christ. 
It's not enough for us to just sing worship songs. It's not enough for us just to attend a church. It's not enough for us just to pay tithes. I mean, it's like, it's, like I said, it's not just one thing. It's being a learner, a, a lover, and a leader. And these are all bound up in the DNA of Christ-likeness. These are all the things that produce little Christ in the DNA that God has given us. Mm-hmm. Um, disheartened by his saying, uh, his saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. See, as a disciple, God's going to put his finger on what you love. He really is going to, not because God doesn't love stuff. And let me be very clear. Not all Christians have to go sell their stuff and give it to the poor in order to be challenged about love. Okay, this guy, his love was connected to his stuff. We've misinterpreted this that, again, remember we talked about focusing on one thing, that if you're a Christian, you won't have a nice car. If you're a Christian, you don't own a big house. If you're a Christian, you don't own, you know, you give all your money to the poor. Well, if you have a love issue with money, yeah, maybe you do. But this man had a love issue with money. And so Jesus was like, hey, listen, you got, you got some of this stuff here, but I, you lack something. Um, and we need to work on loving. But mm-hmm. I, I, what's it say? How does Jesus look at him at this moment? Loved him and said to him. Yeah. So man. Jesus looks at him and loved him. He didn't get ticked at him. He didn't scold him. Because he understood, first of all, how tough it is to love people. But he was looking on this man. What this man lacked was the very way that Jesus was looking at him. Okay? So let me just say, if your husband lacks something, go home and look at him with the thing that you think he lacks. Okay? If your kids you think they lack something? Well, then go home and give them what they lack. Jesus gives this man what Jesus saw this man lacked. And it wasn't a piece of his mind. Mm-hmm. It was love. So he challenged it. So, okay, maybe money's not it for me. Um, what would be some of the other things you think today, practically, God could say challenges about loving? Well, I mean, certainly, I know in my life he's done the alcohol thing. Okay, that was one of those things. I know, and um, there's we can we can have a love of definitely um, stuff, yeah. house, envious things of that, cars, possessions. Obviously, um, I think for some racking through my brain to think about just my own personal. What you just said, just I was thinking about it because <laughs> given what you lack, yeah, I see in my I see in my kids sometimes, uh, especially with Alice is a lot more like me. So the uh, my he can tend to respond in a very quick way and and sometimes uh, impulsive. It's part of being a boy too, but still, the if when I respond to him exactly the same way, it never makes the situation go and get better. Right. It's right. all, and Kelly's always telling me, you know, you, you got to de-escalate that with what kind of like what you're saying. Right. And so that was just in my head. So I was just thinking about right. that as you said, like, Oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If you got a moment of impatience coming yeah. to you from your child. Yeah. Well, this is then 
Yeah. Patience is the thing to be supplied. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, Sorry to go back to that. No, just, no, it was no. Just like I was in, it was in my head. You know, <laughs> for me, when it comes to loving others, it, it, you know what it puts me juxtaposed? It's not money. It's not even my stuff. It's my leisure. I just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Okay? Seriously. I just want to sit on my couch and watch all the Star War movies in a row for yeah. the first time in my life. And I just leave me alone. And it's like, he's like, you know, I'm going to have to challenge your leisure. Mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge, you know, uh, all kinds of things in your life yeah. so that you'll love more. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same way with that, too. I like to sit in my office and kind of do tasks, get things done. Yeah. So it's almost like when some people come by and want to... We're apologizing wanna, now. Yeah, we're, we're apologizing. We're, this is a confession time so to everybody. So sorry, so sorry. Yeah, you come and Wherever poke your head in the office or whatever. Yeah, and it's I give like, that look like... You know, I'm sorry. Did you not, like, see my back to you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Jenny, are you like this? uh, (laughs) Um, I'm sorry, I didn't. It's a fictitious person named Jenny. It's not her real name. (laughs) Uh, Then, then, uh, well, we'll close out with this last one here about leader. And I, this one is so cool. Mm -hmm. Epic leadership. I love it. Um, it's when David, I use when David arrives at the camp of Israel facing Goliath. Mm-hmm. You are going to see in this small little story, um, the whole learner, lover, leader thing mm-hmm. just unpacked. Um, so uh, Goliath is coming out. He's taunting Israel, making fun of them. Nanny poo poo, that whole thing. Double dare you. Uh, and uh, Israel's scared of him because he's like nine foot tall. And uh, so they all chicken, da- uh, chicken out. But David, who's, we're told he's like a young shepherd boy you know, with a harp. <laughs> I'm sorry. All you harpists out there, we love you. We love you. Uh, it, it, it can be very. They're going to cancel you. It can harpists be very. Oh, yeah, no, it's very manly. It's very, oh. There's nothing like a man with Have a harp. Have you seen a harp? I, I, that thing is enormous. I saw a lady when uh, my sister in law used to okay. play with, and it was like, it is a huge instrument. Okay, so we're not talking about this little well, thing like the be, Greeks used might, to have, you know? That may be what David had. Baby, naked babies floating with arrows, you know? Maybe. I'm going to go. That's my I mean, I don't, yeah. Let's go with the manly <laughs> Let's one. Let's go with the, yeah, yeah, the huge one. The one on wheels. <laughs> yeah. You have to buy a van yeah. to, or a truck to carry the thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Imagine him rolling, <laughs> rolling up with a harp. <laughs> Dragging through the... <laughs> oh, so I'm sorry. So that's what happened. So, uh, but David decides he's going to fight Goliath. Um, and uh, so Ricky, yeah. I want read this. I want you guys to hear what he says, and I want you to hear learner, lover, leader built into this. He says, Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Okay. Did you hear the learner part of, of him? See, David doesn't just go and, and kill Goliath. He refers back to another learning moment. 
See, sometimes when we look at really difficult things that are going on in the world, and, and maybe Christians are prophesying, of, you know, or, or calling out doom is occurring, and America is going to become communist, and we're going we're gonna to lose our tax-exempt status, like that's the biggest thing we need to worry about, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff, and it's like, how are we going to handle this? How, it's like, wait a minute, no matter what comes on us, if we're learners, we will learn in previous battles and learning moments with God that will prepare us for the next learning moment. Mm-hmm. See, what, prepare, what prepared me, Paul Rienzo, pastor of Crosstown, for COVID-19, we have half as many people and we only have a third of the budget that we had uh, two years ago. What prepared me for that? Anybody want to take a guess? Floods. Exactly. Yeah. So if I was, so when COVID started happening and, and then my back injury and all that stuff and, and, and all this stuff, and it was like, wait a minute, God, I learned about the faithfulness of God in flood number one. Then I learned about the ingenuity of God in flood number two. And then I learned about the profit of God. I mean, making, I mean, it's like this can actually work beneficially for you mm-hmm. in, in flood number three. So when COVID-19 comes along and we're all of a sudden having to go you know, mobile, we have to go online. We did it just like that. Yeah. I mean, why? It's because we're the church that has to be ready to move anywhere. Yeah. And it was just like this with Dave. But if we did not learn in that first moment, if the anger of the flooding got to us, if the fear of a second flood got to us, you know, if, if just the, the, the mocking of the third flood got to us, we would have not been prepared for COVID-19 mm-hmm. the way that we are prepared. And sur- not only surviving, this church is thriving. Mm-hmm. But we had to be learners when we saw the lion. We had to be learners when we, we dis- um, faced the bear. Mm-hmm. But not only that, David is doing this, all of this, out of, out of what? Why is he going to kill that, that big guy? Is his passion, his passion because you insulted my God. Mm-hmm. See, he's a lover. He's like, you insulted, you have defiled my God. And, and I will chop you down like I did with the, with the lion and I did with the bear. Yeah. And so his leadership moment emerges out of his learning and his loving. You know, sometimes in, in, in churches, we want to, uh, Paul, what do I need to do in order to be a, a leader at Crosstown or be on staff at Crosstown or be a minister at Crosstown? Well, uh, let me see you learn and love. You let me see you learn and love and grow, and you'll grow into a leader. Um, there's no shortcut. I don't care what your skill set is. I don't care how good you play the harmonica or the harp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care how good you can preach or what seminary you've been to. Um, let me look in the eyes of your wife. Let me look at, let me talk to your children. Let me hear your story and how you walk through adversities and difficulty. Mm-hmm. I love talking to people who've walked through adversities. You know, and some of you have told me your stories. Uh, that's why I, I, I love somebody like Simon, Tim, you know, it's, it's, and it's, because these gentlemen have, have, have had battles and wars and, you know, and Ty, uh, Simon fights the lion and the bear almost every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. People who haven't had fights with life, um, I don't want them leading me. 
you know? Um, so it's, it's one of the key parts of being. And, and again, remember, so if you're going to be a learner, lover, leader, there are going to be fights that are too big for you. There are going to be lions in your life. So if you're married to that lion or that bear, or if you're, you work in that environment, or your health or whatever it is is your lion or your bear, it's not just a wasted moment. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it is part of the learning, loving moment to prepare you for, for even a greater fight mm-hmm. um, or a moment of leadership. So mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely powerful what we see. Any questions come in? And do you have anything online? No, there's just some good, just good comments. People good. agreeing and, um, yeah, harps are heavy, obviously. Um, Hearts are heavy. Harps. Oh, harps are heavy. Har- <laughs> harps, hearts are heavy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so kind of anybody here have any questions about this? Elizabeth, you were told to make sure you had a question. Do you have that question? <laughs> <laughs> so that this looks like an interactive environment? You're really messing with it. <laughs> and she wanted to be our producer. Uh, <laughs> you want to be my... <laughs> uh. Oh, no. So, um, bottom line, no magic wand. This mm-hmm. is not just walking in an aisle and, and bowing your head during a sinner's prayer. It may start with that. Uh, that may be the inception moment. But, you know, it's so much more. Mm-hmm. It is that ongoing process of learning. I have learned more about God, about people, and about myself in the last two years than I have learned in all of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it makes me feel alive. I mean, I really feel alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because, well, I'm 61, or uh, let's see, why else should I feel alive? I don't feel alive physically. I mean, I, I hurt. Um, I feel, I don't know, there's a sense of vitality. It's not because I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because I feel like I'm learning something. Mm-hmm. And there's something about learning that just invigorates the human soul. Yeah. You feel... You, you, you still feel alive when you're mm-hmm. learning. I think when you stop learning, you die. I, I really yeah. do. Yeah. So, um, so there's no magic wand. So I've got some homework for you. Leading into next week, we're gonna be kicking off Learner, and we're gonna look, we're gonna go through Learner, and we're gonna look at it hard and long, and it's it's gonna be really good. You're gonna hear it presented a really different way, and uh, but I got homework for you, and you're gonna love this homework. It takes me to my little friend here. This is Thor, and I really like Thor a lot, but I need you before next Sunday, next Wednesday, I need you to go home and watch the movie Thor, okay? Now, this isn't just some, like, little gimmick thing, you know. I need you, I'm going to be referencing Thor next week. Number one. Yeah, the original yeah, the original Thor. Thor. No Dark oh, no, World. No, no, no Ragnarok. No, Ragnarok's no, great, but just, just to be clear. We're friends from work. No, he gets his yeah. haircut. Oh, yeah. It's all uh, kinds of right. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> matter of fact, all kinds of right. Ladies, I don't think you're going to mind watching Thor, are you? <laughs> no, no problem. And that's the great Twist thing. You just get arm. to say to your husbands, well, 
The pastor told me to watch Thor. He did. He told me to watch him. <laughs> if you happen to be from Queens, New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, that sounded more like Jersey, you know. Um, but seriously, I want you to go home. And, and while you're watching Thor, I want you to look for the learning moments, okay? And if you could write down three learning moments or... And, and, not, and whether he learns or not, but pivotal points in the movie where who Thor becomes is all based upon learning. And, um, and, and we're going to talk about those. Hmm. We're going to correlate him almost uh, verbatim or exactly with the Apostle Paul on the Damascus Road. Uh, Paul was the biblical version of Thor, until he has an event that that turns him into a learner. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like you to be ready to share about uh, Thor, okay? So uh, that's our homework for next mm-hmm. week, and we're going to continue our journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we want to thank you all for joining us in present, and uh, um, we will continue this all the way through our plan is all the way through the beginning of December. We're going to be talking learn, lover, leader. And you say, well, why? I mean, uh, and we can answer questions. We can do like five to ten minutes, like random questions that, you know, where the aliens come from and things like that, if, if you have those kinds of questions. Um, but uh, just getting information, biblical stands on things, is not enough. Uh, we want to show, and we want to do what God's called us to do. We're called to make disciples. I'm not called to grow a big church. I'm not called to raise a lot of money. Um, I'm called to make disciples. And well, if I've been reduced to a camera and and podcasting and all that stuff, um, then I believe if this is the way that we have got to do it, I believe that genuine seekers of God will become disciples of God if they have the intentionality of God. And that's why we're calling it intentionally God mm-hmm. is because we're making the decision to do that. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this night. We thank you for this gathering of people. And God, you have invited us. You have kind of thrown down the gauntlet to say of, of uh, follow me. Lord God, it's not as easy as the sinner's prayer. Um, it's not as easy it's funny, it's, it's probably easier to go to heaven than it is to be Christ-like. Uh, but we were called not to just go to heaven. We were called to become little Christ. We have this confidence that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete that work. That, Father, that you will empower us through the Holy Spirit to be able to fight the lion and the bear and the Goliath. If we do not lean to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge you, you will make this discipleship path straight. We thank you for calling us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody here, everybody out in cyberspace, thanks for coming. <laughs>